Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm honored today. Today's uh, December 7, 2022, uh, to have um, Tal Bachman with me. Uh, he is um, almost, almost, you know, one of those individuals almost who needs no introduction. Um, uh, we've become friends. Uh, you know, there, there's been the great reset people talk about. And uh, one of the great resets that's been on my mind is kind of the reset of the way uh, people have uh, rearranged their friends and and the interactions and so forth. So uh, I'm, I, I always look for silver linings. Uh, one of the ones from the pandemic is getting to know um, Tal, and it's been uh, you know an amazing journey for some of us. Uh, we've come out alive, as it turns out. Um, I don't think the virus is the biggest danger, um, and we don't really have a plan what we're going to talk about. So, um, what are your thoughts? Uh, what do you? Why did you say yes to being interviewed by me? <laughs> Well, we're buddies and, you know, we always have a lot to talk about and why not? And it's been a big three years, like you say, and sometimes just shooting the breeze about stuff kind of helps you feel better about it. It's been upsetting for a lot of people. Um, and as you say, I mean, I, I try to look at, so, you know, I try to look for silver linings and there have been some. Um, you know, at the same time, there's been other things that haven't been so great. But anyway, here we are, and I've got my cerveza mexicana. So. Yeah. Speaking of which, you know, I, I, um, I'm i a big fan of your, I guess, ballads. Um, I, I find them uh, really beautiful. And All the have, Mexican ones? Yeah, and you have, you have amazing taste. Um, and I, in, in other artists as well. And uh, I've benefited from that. I've kind of put them into my uh, group, Thanks. as it were. Uh, but that's a big recommendation. I mean, it's not, it's not for me, you can't get a big, I'm, I'm only me, but uh, I recommend people uh, check out your music in general. Um, but there's a whole other branch, which is uh, evocative and, you know, true to the language. I mean, your Spanish, I think, is, is top notch pronunciation and so forth and uh you know i've always loved mexico people you know people think of mexico as like cancun and uh acapulco and whatnot but um you know i've been through uh you know the interior of mexico a number of times uh you know back in the kind of backpacking days and whatnot and you know i think you you capture a lot of uh the beauty so that's um uh, it's not necessarily you know the great reset or anything like that but it's an amazing uh thing that you're able to do well, I, I can't say I'm any big expert on Mexico, but I, I mean, I have had some great times there. Um, I mean, it's it's actually sad because when I say that, everyone's mind will go to like debauchery. Mm -hmm. and, but you know, there, you know, you know, the Mexico of today is not what the Mexico of 30 years ago was, and and of course, as you say, I mean, not not everything in Mexico is Cancun or Cabo San Lucas. I mean, there's, you know. And it's just like everywhere, right? I mean, it's it's like if you're from Italy or Tanzania and you went to Manhattan for three days, I mean, you saw part of America, but there's a whole lot more to America than, you know, downtown New York City. So it's like that. I mean, I I don't know. I, for people that maybe don't know what you're referring to, Randy's just talking about, like, for fun, sometimes I go on Facebook and I just grab a guitar and I sing old Mexican songs. And um, I don't I just do that to keep in practice because um well plus i really like those old songs but 
it's nice to do that every once in a while because um, all, all our gigs were canceled for three years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I don't actually think of myself as, well, I'm not because I'm not, I'm not one of these guys that I just want to get out there onto a stage anywhere every night and play songs and what, and have people watch me. You know, it's just, I, I, I'm not like one of those kind of, you know, performance animals. Neither is my dad for that matter. Um, neither are most of the musicians I know, but there are guys like that guys in cover bands. They just love it. And they really have that skill for being, you know, a great cover artist. And they're, they're just, they just friggin love it every single day, like six nights a week or even seven. Sometimes they just, they got to get out there and play in front of people. But, um, it is nice to go out and just share some music sometimes. So, and it keeps me in practice and I'm trying to keep up my Spanish. And so I, I'll do that every once in a while. Yeah. Did you live in um, a Spanish speaking country? Well, as a teenager, I spent two years in Argentina. Um, and, you know, any Spanish speakers watching this will know that the, the RG speak a very different kind of Spanish than, yeah. well, pretty much everyone else, but certainly Mexicans. But, but it's still, I mean, still the basics are, are the same pretty much. Um, so, yeah, and I was, you know, I felt like I was going, you know, pretty well with my Spanish when I left Argentina. But, I, I mean, I was, you know, that was 30 plus years ago. So I haven't really, you know, I haven't lived in places where I could keep up my Spanish mm -hmm. since then. So, yeah. so I, I, I was good with languages back in the day and I was a, you know, kind of a top French speaker, but I, uh, student, whatever. Um, and I took Spanish when I was teaching, uh, during summers, I taught, taught organic chemistry and on the side, I took this uh, Spanish course, um, and it was taught by an Argentine. And he, he of course said he, that, you know, only Argentines speak Spanish correctly. <laughs> yeah. They, they all, they yeah. all say that. <laughs> no, it's and it, almost, yeah, yeah. I actually, you know, he did speak it so clearly. And I think it's really a class thing because whatever country you go to. Uh, so anyway, to cut to the chase, um, I, I had my own medical office for about 30 years and bordering on, you know, most of the U.S., you know, bordering on a, a kind of a Latino immigrant population next door in Chelsea. And um, I, I, as a business proposition, whatever, I, I had, you know, a lot of Latino patients and then I advertised in the you know, Latino newspapers and radio, TV and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I got kind of built up my medical Spanish. And, and, and so far, you know, I was fine getting, you know, interviews and all that kind of stuff with the patients, understanding what they were saying. But, 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 but when they were from kind of the, the hills, um, whether it's Guatemala, Mexico, or, you know, the DR, or whatever, it was really, you know, I had to kind of like retune uh, my ears for that kind of stuff. And so I think mm -hmm. you know, Spanish kind of is, you know, of place and, and class and whatever education and all that kind of stuff. So there's, you know, I, I learned a lot of my staff at one point was like all Latinas. I had, you know, women from uh, you know, El Salvador, uh, Dominican, Puerto Rico and whatnot. And even between them, they, they spoke all different kinds of Spanish. And, um, yeah. you know, I the, learned about the idioms, Yeah. The idioms are different. The colloquialisms are different. Yeah. And they would make yeah. each other laugh. Like they had a word for car. I forget where it was, like in Dominican. And if you said it in, in Mexico or El Salvador, right. it was like as if you were speaking, you know, ancient, you know, right. a, 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 like you were speaking as if we were when it started speaking Chaucer, you know, Chaucer here. Um, yeah. Like, uh, like, uh, like I've heard coche, auto, carro, you know, like those are the three different words for, 
you know, car. Yeah. And they make fun of each other on that basis. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, what humans yeah. do is right. Yeah. I, uh, I always get a kick out of um, listening to Spanish speakers imitate the accent of other Spanish speakers. Right. Cause you know, it's always funny, you know, they're doing it for fun and I always have a laugh. So, um, I was, uh, kind of following along some of your uh, deeper thoughts and, um, uh, I, I, no, you are, uh, you know, I guess Canadian-ish, uh, you're American-Canadian. I was wondering whether you had thoughts, you know, from a perspective um, of how Canada and the U.S. have, you know, verged and diverged um, over these last couple of years. Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> well, Okay, I mean, this is a big question. I mean, how they have verged, is that even a word? I, I, I just, I'd like to, I like to, in opposition. We're breaking new ground here. <laughs> well, I mean, how they've been the same is that there have been, the, the, these politicians have, have popped up who, you know, whether it's sort of, they, they just get off on wielding power so that there's something sort of cynical and, you know, not in good faith about their public health measures or whether they're genuinely terrified which I think has been the case in some cases. Um, um, I mean, one of the things that is similar, I would just say, has been the absolutely outrageous government overreach and like like tyranny. I mean, it's not it's not even hyperbole to call it tyranny. I mean, if you're if you're in, literally if you put the entire population of your state under house arrest or your province under house arrest, you've prohibited them from having like more than four or two or six or whatever number they were picking at any given moment, uh, people over to your house for a birthday party or a funeral or a pre-marriage get together or anything. I mean, this is absolutely outrageous. And, you know, and I think we could say that most, if not all, even, you know, well, most, if not all of them, I would say definitely violated the spirit of the the legal systems slash the constitution that that you know apply but um but i also think that most if not all of them violated the letter of the law you know and so i'm kind of maybe i'm not really answering your question that well but i mean that's that's the first thing that comes to my mind is just the the, the outrageous kind of overreach in the name of public safety um which as i'm sure you know um, never even remotely had adequate scientific backing. You know, these bullies were always saying, well, we're following the science. They weren't following the science they, at all. They weren't following the science. In fact, they, they had, in many cases, declared war on the science. You know, there was good reason to believe, even in the early months of 2020, that this virus was nowhere near as dangerous, as, as lethal as was being popularly advertised and none of these people cared you know they just rolled with it you know and that was the big pretext for you know you know basically i mean you know it's it's funny and it's like that that passage in the new testament where jesus says like you know you know don't criticize you know don't look at the moat that's in this other person's eye take the moat out of your own eye first so it's always easy for us to look at different countries and say oh man these people had it so bad over here the governments were so tyrannical you know the chinese 
you know, Communist Party was welding people into their apartments. Well, I don't really know how that's different in principle than, you know, what happened in a lot of states and provinces where, you know, they were pulling you over to ask if you had permission to go to wherever it was that you were going. And if you didn't, yeah, they didn't bring a blowtorch to your apartment, but they were giving you fines and they were harassing you and you were put on watch lists. I mean, it's totally outrageous. And the whole time, we had a whole bunch of people in both of these countries, which, you know, you have to be honest, whatever criticisms we might make of Canada and the United States, you have to say, I mean, these are two places that, that you know, are the freest, in, you know, among the, mo the most free nations in the history of the world. We had a whole bunch of people supporting every measure. There was no measure that was too oppressive or tyrannical or just completely stupid or even worse, counterproductive that these people, you know, like the NPR crowd, didn't start doing cartwheels over. They friggin' loved it. They loved it. People got off on it. They got off on being part of the big drama. It was something that was bigger than they were. This was their World War II. This was their Great Depression. And we all have to do what we need to do for the community. And I'm doing my part. And here's my social media rollout. Here's me getting, you know, my eighth jab or whatever it was. I'm, I'm triple masked. Just my you know, profile with a mask on it. I haven't left my bedroom in three months because, and I'm doing this for you. I mean, you know, just this, this completely perverted virtue signaling. So, you know, it shows you how easily, well, it shows you that number one, it, it, it can, it always can happen here. It can always happen here. There's this weird thing. Sorry, I'm going off right now, but oh. I feel like there's this weird thing amongst conservatives precisely because they're patriotic. They they fret a lot. They kvetch a lot. They're they're always kind of giving voice to their anxieties. But deep down in their bones, it seems like they can't really emotionally accept that these these horrible government abuses that we saw occur in the 20th century could ever really happen here. Deep down, they can't really believe it. After all. We have the Constitution. After all, that would be against the law. After all, you know, we, we, and people would never put up with that. They never put up with that. That's why we have the Second Amendment. There's this kind of weird denial thing. And it's like we watched it happen. Now, it's not, I'm not saying it's, it was permanent. Obviously, it wasn't permanent. But we watched outrageous abuses occur, be perpetrated by state governments, these lunatic governors, lunatic premiers in Canada. And it did happen here. It did. No law stopped them. No constitution stopped them. No custom, no tradition, no cultural anything stopped these people. In fact, um, I, mean, I mean, I don't know. It's like Michigan has a lot of rednecks. Like they didn't even do anything when Gretchen Whitmer was like prohibiting them from buying vegetable seeds for their garden. Like where were these people? Yeah, cer cer certain parts of Target had the virus and that's where they were selling the the, the plants and so forth and and you know and, and she didn't get voted out of office and neither did um waltz I, I guess waltz waltzed in in minnesota he was running against scott jensen who's an interesting and amazing guy physician uh who, who spoke the truth and uh and chris and, and jensen only got like i don't know 43 percent of the vote or something like that so waltz almost literally waltz um this you know just last election cycle uh it's an amazing thing and and, and our buddy uh just in time 
um, is still there. I mean, do, 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 are there never no confidence votes? I mean, I, UK, they're always, you know, I yeah. have these spot elections so forth. I never hear about this much in Canada. Is that not the same thing? Yeah. They, is that separate? No, they can do that for sure. But um, he, uh, you know, he had his, his kind of power wrapped up in the parliament. So there wasn't enough support for a no confidence movement. And, you know, I didn't really follow all the ins and outs of Trudeau because I, I was busy trying to figure out how to, you know, deal with a bunch of other stuff on behalf of other people who maybe um, weren't as equipped to, to figure some of this stuff out. But, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, put it this way. I don't know that Justin Trudeau will, will win again. Um, I don't think he will, but who knows? I don't think, I, I don't think that it would be very easy to rig an election in Canada. Um, like I've been on the spot a bunch of times during election day. I've known, I've known a ton of people that have worked as volunteers for uh, elections Canada. Everyone I talk to, um, it's it's like a fun social volunteer activity that, yeah. that kids will do, old people will do, everyone will kind of get involved with. And, and these guys, I'm talking about the election volunteers, yeah. they're, they're drilled on nonpartisanship. They are all drilled on transparency at every single step of the way. And I I mean, you go see it yourself. Yeah, I mean, you have like 3,000 ridings or something like that. I get the. Yeah, well, I can't remember how many, but. Um, and I, it's a new term for me. Um, yeah, it's just like a voting district. Um, so they're molecular, and I guess you know each one's voting for somebody, and those get atomized, and those are countable um, items, and so forth. I mean, I, the, the and I guess the 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 cloud inside silver linings has been the fragility of or the frailty of uh, what we considered our you know free democracies. You know, that's a nebulous term, democracy, because it can mean a Greek democracy. It can mean, rule, you know, tyranny by the mob. It can mean what we think of as a constitutional republic. Anyway, the, the term never gets well defined about what it is when we're preserving democracy and so forth. But as far as they're, say, coinciding with liberty and ability to do what you want to do uh, within the law, um, you know, our kind of like parliamentary um, democracies, I think, failed. Uh, I think they failed this... Uh, Testing mean, COVID, yeah, to yeah, greater yeah. extent than, than the United States did. Well, um, well, certainly they failed way more than um, certain parts of the United States. I mean, exactly. I well, that, that's to to my second point, which is yeah, you know, that we have federalism, so we have a severability um, here that that things can suck in in Pennsylvania, but they yeah. suck less in say you know Indiana. Yeah, well, you know, they have, you know, they have federalism in Canada and Australia. And so, you know, we saw these horrible scenes in Australia. Those, those happened in particular areas, of course. And, you know, it's just like, it's like California and Michigan and versus like Florida, where I was, what, I think it was like a year ago, almost to the day. No. Yeah. I mean, I was there like a year ago. Um, we went to the county fair. No one was wearing a mask. You wouldn't have even known oh, that it was amazing. COVID we, even we existed. We should have met up, but we did the same thing. And it was like, well, you know, like yeah. angel singing. And yeah, I, and then you like, you, you get I, out I, of like, 
Yeah, you leave the free state of Florida, and it's like you know, you're all of a sudden you once again are surrounded by zombies with like fear. Yeah, that's no, a crazy thing. Just, back yeah, back when the uh, Berlin Wall was a thing, um, we traveled. My wife and I uh, traveled. I, I don't think we were married yet, so we traveled in sin um, through uh, Europe, you know, Western and then Eastern Europe, and we had bicycles, so we we saw a lot of places that people didn't see, um, and we biked through uh, parts of Hungary, Czechoslovakia. And then on the, the far end of the trip, we were in East Germany and we went back and forth twice, but it was one of those things. It was almost like the Florida, you know, New York City uh, difference. And we had been at both during COVID, um, <clears throat> but it was an amazing thing to, to, to go from West Berlin to East. I mean, go from East Berlin to West Berlin after like weeks in, you know, the Iron Curtain countries where everything was Sovietized and people you know, on, literally on the bus and subways, they would only look at the ground. No one, no one ever looked up. There were no advertisements. There were no activity. And people, you know, kind of wore drab clothing. But there was this thing where people, you know, had self-trained to stare at, at other people's feet, not because they were interested in your shoes. And then when you go to West Berlin, it was just like, you know, that, that I think, what, what's the name of that movie? Um, where everything goes from black and white to color. Um, uh, it was yeah. Pleasantville or I don't know. Pleasantville, uh, yeah. But but everything just kind of opened up. It was, I, it was, I, you know, I kind of got a sense of what it would be like for them. But that was that was what going to Florida was like. Um, and you know, I took I took some short videos of, of elderly people walking down the street without masks, not not dropping dead, <laughs> so I could send it to people as yeah. a kind of um, tongue in cheek. And 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 of course, I have been doing these coronavirus podcasts, uh, video casts, whatever they were, for a, a long time. Um, and that became fodder, um, mm. that. but it's just an amazing thing that, that people can be so entrenched in their mindset and, and they, 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 they let, yeah. And, and they become perversely addicted to that mindset. They don't necessarily want to leave it. Right. They're so now attuned to their tribal leader. Well, it's an they're, investment that it is yeah, their, their public health furor scared the hell out of them. And that they now obey, like literally Anthony Fauci could have come out and told and said, if you drink a cup of bleach <laughs> right out of the Clorox, you know, pour the Clorox into the cup and you won't get COVID. There are millions of people that would have done it. Yeah, literally. Just, just as an asterisk, you know, for the next person who comments that said that says uh, Donald Trump told them to do that. Uh, that is one of those uh, falsehoods, you know, that was uh you know, they said, oh, oh, you mean, oh, yeah, with the uh, HCQ your... and all that kind of stuff. He was using an analogy that it would, that it would basically clean out your system. Or so they're working on new things, ultraviolet light and whatnot, that, that would, you know, yes, cleanse I, the yes, air. And, yes. and as if it were bleaching the, the air, whatever. He, he never told people to drink bleach. It's just, uh, no, he didn't do that. But you know what? All of these BS criticisms of Donald Trump, I objected them not only because they're just transparently false, they're these horrible stretches and obviously motivated by something less than good faith mm -hmm. but because we have ample good reasons to take issue with how trump behaved during this thing so why would we make stuff up right it was donald trump that let anthony fauci run riot for a freaking year yeah. and dingbat debbie burtz and all these people like this guy he got completely outplayed yeah. these guys ran rings around him no and he he had been pretty good about um, you know, understanding there was misinformation and that people wanted to bollocks things up and throw bowling balls, you know, at his feet 
I mean, that had been going on for a while. The whole Russiagate, whatever, you know, all that, that stuff kind of self-dissolved and Stormy Daniels, Michael Avenatti, you know, it, it, I'm sure you've heard those, uh, you know, the, 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 the end is coming, the, you know, the, you know, all those kind of choruses of newscasters predicting the, his doom. And, and lo and behold, you know, like any good Greek tragedy, it, it wound up being some of his own. Uh, his own uh, doing, of course. Yeah, he it never, wasn't humorous per se, but I think it was, I think it was kind of as a laziness of mind that he gets a lot of information, I think, from TV and he's an active um, guy, and he, but he, he's social and he deals with, you know, with, I guess, you know, watching the news and so forth. And I think he got caught up in it. So, uh, you know, if he had had, uh, we, we, we didn't, we don't pine for Michael Dukakis or Jimmy Carter or whatever, but, but if he had had, you know, slightly more analytic mind um, and, and delved in some of the information out there uh, on his own, I think he would have been able to deal more firmly. And yeah. he, I think he, I think some of his age factored in and he may yeah. be worried on a personal basis of getting and he did. I think he did genuinely suffer uh, with COVID. I mean, it didn't happen. He didn't get it to the effect to the extent that Boris Johnson did by, uh, you know, becoming demented <laughs> or at least temporarily the way Johnson acted. But um, I think, you know, he I think he might have been physically worried um, and that played in a little bit. But, yeah, I think ultimately, you know, letting, you know, have, having the public health people become the government uh, apparatus was a mistake. That's that's governed by bureaucracy. And I think it's always a mistake. Well, he also had people that were trying to get through to him about, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we don't know exactly what Trump knew when about any of this stuff. We don't know how, you know, all I know is that, you know, Trump showed a remarkable inability to, to distinguish who he should trust from who he shouldn't. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, he, he obviously he struggled with personnel um, decisions, didn't really know what he was doing, um, obviously. I mean, I, I lament to say that. And, and there was nobody helping him. I mean, it well, is yeah, but yeah, why wasn't there? Can we why, yeah, why wasn't there? That's not because nobody was willing to help him. That's because like at crossroads, moments, at crossroads moments, he tended to choose precisely the wrong people. This is the guy who chose like a lifelong limousine liberal New Jersey Democrat as his right hand mega man over five other guys that wanted to do it that had proven track records of being mega warriors. So mm -hmm. if you're a mega supporter, you're looking at that and you're like, well, you know, every great leader has its right hand man or mm -hmm. two sometimes. You know, Caesar Augustus had Marcus Agrippa. You know, we could just go down the list. You know, Jesus had Peter. I mean, we just go down. I mean, these guys always have a right-hand man. And Trump, you know, you could say he, you know, his choice of right-hand man was was dubious. You know, it's like, and, and you know, he, he had a, I mean, I don't know. Not, nobody's perfect. Okay, so even like the, the greatest MAGA warrior, they're going to get some things wrong every once in a while. But so... You know, I, I just I don't understand why Donald Trump, who ran as like, I mean, the guy invents or um, let me get this straight. Um, I mean, he runs as the MAGA warrior and then gets into power and just, you know, he got fooled on the Mike Flynn stuff. You know, he got I don't know. It's just. Yeah, well, it's a new know, game. It's a new game. It's like, you know, I, I'm a squash player and I'm, I'm playing tennis and I, I have, you know, reasonable athleticism, awareness and so forth. But. The, the, the shots come and, and I'm not, a, I'm not a good structurally about, I'm still learning how the pieces come together. And, and 
you know, this is not something he spent his life doing. Uh, you know, he admits to being maybe a politician now, but it is, I think it, it, it takes some learning curve. And I, I think it's diametrically opposed to our ghost in chief now, who, you know, is there nominally, but, but has nothing to do and can do nothing. And they don't let do anything. And no, nobody really notices any blips and so forth because everybody's there. You know, the, the, the bureaucracy is going around, seals around, uh, kind of like an amoeba getting punctured. They kind of reforms the cell membrane. Whenever anything happens, he flubs or, or, you know, stumbles or physically, mentally, whatever. Everybody's all sealing around. And, and it's ludicrous. You know, if, if Trump, you know, somehow had taken on the physical attributes of, of Joe Biden and mental and so forth, I mean, there'd be no end to it. And and uh, and there would frankly be an end to because you know they were trying to do the twenty fifth amendment yeah. on that guy anyway. Yeah, yeah, they were trying to do it anyway. Yeah, and and and, and say what you will, I think he's a bright guy. Uh, I don't think he's the brightest guy on earth, but I think he's you know way. Donald way... Trump. Donald Trump's a bright. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. That's all right. Well, Donald Trump is a bright guy. He obviously has some you know interesting skills. You know, really effective skills. His toolbox. I mean. His, his skill set is idiosyncratic. I think everyone would acknowledge that. You know, he's really, really good at certain things. He's really, really bad at other things. And, you know, so, I mean, just to kind of get back to what I was saying is like, to me, there's, I, what, what I didn't really understand is that, you know, you get into a situation like that, you need a team of warriors around you. You need a right-hand man or two. And now you've got, a, then you need a kind of a, a larger sort of, inner sanctum of you know or you know cadre of of warriors and there needs to be consistency they need to be on the same page you need to act with haste because you know it's like when you move into a new house and you say well we got to do a b c and d and then the months go by and the more the months go by that the tasks become harder and harder to ever do you know like you watch elon musk like he gets it you know shows up at the twitter headquarters he's got his team in place it's like guys we got this is your charge. You're your marching orders. Boom, 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 boom. Let's get this done. Go, 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 go. Like, like that's like that in every single aspect of life. But you know, you need your team, you know, your kind of pyramid team with you at the top and you're the captain. You can delegate and you're having and he never seemed to do that. And and so, you know, he got so outplayed in so many ways that I don't know, I can't really get over that. Including with this. Like you, like, so we have like a president, like with the COVID stuff, like, how about this? You're a president, you just won, you swear an, uh, an oath to faithfully execute the laws of the United States of America, you're going to uphold the Constitution, and then Democratic governors in particular, not exclusively, but um, what well, doesn't matter, governors, certain governors start to completely violate all the constitutional rights of the people living within those states, Right? So now you have a governor. So, I mean, like if a governor said, I'm going to reinstitute slavery, a president would say, you can't do that. That's a constitutional, it's a federal matter. It's in the constitution. You can't abridge constitutional rights like that. I'm going to move in and forcibly stop you from doing that. Well, it wasn't slavery, but it was something sort of in the category of slavery. When you say you're not allowed to go from point A to point B, you can't go to a park, you can't go kayaking, you know, maybe we'll let you go to the grocery store if you're nice or something. You can't do A, B, and C, and D or whatever. And Donald Trump did nothing about that. Like that, that's what kind of, that's one of the things that bugs me. I mean, here's another thing. The Democratic Party and its sort of foreign, you know, friends um, 
and who knows who else is in that mix. I mean, they sponsor week after week, month after month of truly insurrectionist riots in the United States. That's why I was going to bring that up. And Donald Trump does nothing except say, I'm not allowed to activate the National Guard, which is not true. Of course he was allowed to yeah. activate it. There's ample precedent for that. The law's been on the books for 200 years. So if you don't want to do it, just I, I, I would have preferred, I, I would have just preferred to say, well, I don't really want to do that. And here's why I don't think it's a good idea. Instead, he came out and said, they tell me I'm not allowed to do that. Well, if you actually believe that you're, you really shouldn't be president because you have no clue what your powers are. You have, you have a constitutional, not just the authority, you have the, a constitutional obligation to protect the citizens of the United States in their constitutional rights when those rights are being crushed by democratic governors who are basically protecting rioters. They, these people were all in the same team and Donald Trump did nothing. Now, it does seem to be the case that Mark Milley and Mark Esper told him that if he ever dared invoke the Insurrection Act and activate the guard units to crush those insurrectionist riots, that they would refuse to obey the order. Well, that would still have been interesting. Okay. If, if you're Donald Trump, why aren't they fired? Yeah, two you fired seconds. Them right away. Yeah, two right. seconds after like, those like, words. Didn't, didn't Harry Truman get rid of uh, that guy, MacArthur? Yeah, he did. I mean, MacArthur, you're, you're, MacArthur they're done. Profile than Millie. Yeah, they're done two seconds after those words leave their mouth. And he never, and, and that's even, I'm not even getting into how they publicly dissed him. They publicly dissed him, and he didn't do anything. So, I know that when we have, when we all have these conversations about Donald Trump, we all, especially from the ladies of a certain vintage, there's nothing that they can't excuse Donald Trump for. You know, um, I don't know what it is about that demographic, but you know, well, he didn't realize how bad it was, but the media would have said he was a dictator, but um, his hands were tied. It's, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's like. Well, I, th I think you bring up an interesting point about kind of the military aspect um, that, you know, I mean, we have the president, you know, nominally as the commander in chief, but I think those role, roles are divorced in people's minds. We don't really see him, you know, militaristically the way, you know, South American uh, juntas used to rule their countries and um, uh, generals and so forth. And we've, we've kind of see this guy wearing a suit and the military is something else. It's, it's, it's for abroad. We don't really yeah. have the military on the streets. And obviously there's a posse, posse, Comitatus law, the rule that you know keeps us from bringing soldiers to our own streets, and you don't you don't really see that in say swaths of Europe and whatnot, where the carabinieri whatever walking in the streets. You know that's kind of the, there's you know soldiers on the streets. We don't have that here, and and I think you know his sensibilities, you know, were not necessarily in league with the viciousness of his enemies, and I think that he underplayed that. And I don't think he realized that public health could be, um, you know, manipulated to the extent it was. Um, yeah. Well, that's a strike against him. You, you know, it's like I don't. You know, I just I'm I'm sorry. I'm a little bit like on edge about this because it's like you can't go on social media anymore without like these diehard Trumpers making excuses for what for doing stuff and not doing stuff that if Hillary Clinton had done or not done. They would be apoplectic. They would be saying to all of their friends, I told you this would happen. If Hillary Clinton had sat there and done nothing, which was basically during the riots, let, just let's say, 
which would basically have been to enable, enable, right, a rash of insurrectionist riots to go berserk, curb stomp people, murder people, stab people, smash windows, all those innocent, sincere immigrants that moved to the United States and played by the rules. They didn't sneak in and they bet everything on their little corner store. And these violent ignoramus rioters went and destroyed everything these people had. And nobody protected them in their basic constitutional rights. Like if Hillary Clinton had done that, these same people that are now making these BS excuses for Trump, like I said, would be apoplectic. But be some, but for some reason, because it's a guy whose tweets they really got a kick out of, he gets a he gets a pass. You don't get a pass, dude. It's like I'm talking directly to Donald Trump right now. Listen to me, Donald Trump. It's like a WWE like uh, teaser for the upcoming bout or something. It's like you wanted the, this is my message for Don. You wanted the job. You ran for the job. You promised to drain the swamp. You promised to restore law and order. You promised that to end the two-tiered system of justice. You promised all this. That you are the one that ran. You signed up for the job. You got into power. And when you got in there, you were very, very passive mm -hmm. in your actions. You were aggressive and hostile and nasty and outrageous and funny sometimes with your words. But this is like, you know, the opposite of your favorite FM rock station, like which is like more rock, less talk. With Trump, it was just always more talk, but less rock. But these people can't emotionally accept it. He got outplayed and he made he achieved some great things. But I'm talking about, this is not even a right-wing argument. This is like a rule of law, civil libertarian argument. It's like you are the chief federal law enforcement officer of the United States. That's what being a president is, among other things. You're the commander-in-chief as well. But you are the chief federal law enforcement officer. You, you oversee the Department of Justice and, by extension, the FBI. You oversee every single executive branch agency. Those are all law enforcement agencies. And if they are running riot, if they're going rogue, if they're not doing anything to protect citizens in their constitutional liberties, if you're not doing anything to prevent that, you blew it. Hmm. And you, it's more than you blew it. You violated a sacred oath. People died because of your negligence. Yeah, I think I think there was a laziness and and you know negligence so forth. Um, I, you know, I think he was probably, you know, it, it was a political calculation. It was 2020 and he's running for re-election. And um, <clears throat> I think he was hoping for the big backlash, um, uh, you know, the, the silent majority taking him in. And it, it might very well have happened, but I think he was, you know, there was kind of a very concerted effort, not just with the riots, but with, you know, vote harvesting, um, which is legal, uh, malfeasant, but legal. Um, and, and, and he just wasn't prepped. I mean, there was, you know, and, and, and the same thing, the battle analogy, uh, he didn't have his flank uh, protected adequately. And, no. and understanding that his, you know, methodology to keep the, the, the movement alive is, in this case, predicated upon, you know, not physical um, defense, not military defense, but this kind of logistic, um, you know, weird little army of, of toads who, are going to be, you know, harvesting nursing homes and, and colleges and so forth and getting 100 percent, um, you know, uh, penetration of people who don't really care about voting versus your own who 
you care, but they don't ever come out at 100% turnout. Well, I mean, to your point about what appears to have been a really debilitating streak of laziness past slash passivity in Trump, um, you know, just on electoral uh, integrity, Donald Trump is the one that for four solid years predicted that the Dems would try to rig things in 2020. He said that in interview after interview. He said that during his rally speeches. Okay. So either that was just all BS and he didn't really believe that, or he did. Well, if he didn't really believe it, I don't think he should have said well, it. Well, there's, there's the issue, you but, know, the state by state. I mean, you know, the, the president doesn't get elected by the populace and historically was even more um, remote from the individuals because, um, you know, the legislatures voted their electoral slate. And I think it only became direct from the people to that slate later. Um, and, and, and ditto for U.S. senators and so forth. So, you know, it, it, it's an issue with this kind of posse comitata same principle that the, you can't kind of federalize the states. Um, but he, did, he wouldn't go have and force New York state to do anything. I mean, how would you do that? I, I don't even know how. Yeah, to... well, here, here are just a few things off the top of my head that probably would have helped. Okay, well, just to go back to what I was saying. So you predict over and over and over again that Democratic machines, you know, D D Democratic Party machines in these different states are going to try to rig the 2020 election against you. What do you do? Other than bloviate about it at a rally in like Ames, Iowa. Like, what do you actually do? Um, well, there, whether we should have them or not, there are a lot of federal civil rights voting access type laws that came in. Um, like you can have federal law enforcement making sure that citizens are allowed to like properly access voting booths. I mean, okay, here, so let me just say this. First of all, you have to know because there's like eight gazillion laws on the books. You have to know that even if you, even if it were something of a pretext, you would, you, you, you have to be able to find some kind of legal cover for having observers as, as they call them, candidates. I mean, I, I, you know, right. I think, I think, it, right. it, some it, sort of check on, you know, I'm talking about a law enforcement check, law, law enforcement observation of different polling stations or whatever. That's one thing. But you could have organized media, media scrutiny. You could have organized. Enough, you know, but the election happens. It's not even election day anymore. It's election month. And this stuff happens in, in kidney disease. There's, we used to call it, there's not me, you know, medically, there's, is pre-renal, renal, and post-renal disease. There's three types of kidney disease, before the kidney, at the kidney, and after the kidney. I don't want to get into this, but but basically, I, I only put that up as an analogy. For the election, there was pre-election, election, and post-election. Um, you know, say, potential, you know, quizzical areas or defraudments. And the major one happened long before. I, I think even if, if everything were pristine and you could have federal observers and all that kind of stuff at the election time, uh, the election may still have been lost because of the, you know, Zuckerberg, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, okay. that has to do with harvesting. Well, well, here's and, another. Well, here's another thing. Okay. Well, let me just get it. Let me just get a couple points out really quick here. So, okay, you. I think um, there are there has to be some legal pretext under which you could have some federal law enforcement pre presence at some of these voting stations to ensure that everything is kosher. That's number one. Number two. How about sort of captaining a new team of sort of you know, cap, you know, like organizing the state Republican parties to get them organized, to have those people on the ground 
watching things with video cameras or whatever. Right. What about some sort of like coordinated legislative effort to beat back the last minute Democratic Party legislative initiatives right. that enabled them to right at least made it we'll just say made it easier for people to potentially commit well, fraud. That, now how last last thing last thing when you know there's like 10 more things but just one last thing for right now it was elements of federal agencies under donald trump that were conspiring with social media using social media as proxy censors as an end run around the first amendment now that was clear long before last week when these emails came out with matt taibbi and yeah and uh, Elon Musk or whatever, what, like, what was the effort from the Trump administration to root these, these horrible people out of the federal government? I don't, I've never even heard of one attempt, no. let alone a failed attempt. If there were, if it was a good faith failed attempt, that would be one thing. He yapped and complained and he was censored and da 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 and it was completely obvious we had congressional hearings it was clear that federal agencies were applying regulatory pressure credible threats against social media companies i mean it was like the circumstantial case was so compelling like what where was the presidential administration on rooting these people out they were in full operation while trump was sitting there in the white house well, it became kind of a, and let's look at Afghanistan. You know, there was an Afghani government, you know, theoretically in Kabul, but everywhere else, I mean, that was just, it was nominal. And it was a, um, you know, it, it was uh, a mirage. And so, yes, we, you know, Trump had the presidency, but he was surrounded. He was basically that Kabul government surrounded by, you know, Taliban who wanted him out. And and uh, the bureaucracy is huge. You know, if you go to Washington, there's, you know, great, you know, kind of formless uh, uh, building after another. And there's hundreds of thousands of people. And they are, you know, if you look at the, the actual voting, just not just Washington, D.C., but greater uh, D.C. area, you know, it's, it's about 90, um, you know, 85 to 15 or something like that. We're talking about massive Democrat um, uh, uh, differential. And that that is a you know force multiplier. You want to get something done. I assume it's it's you know pain in the butt, and 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 you know a lot of it's unionized. It's hard to get rid of people. Uh, everything's a you know legal case, and we can see that uh, the the Dems are reasonable at agitprop. You know, I mean, just when when Brett Kavanaugh got nominated, um, it, it wasn't about him. You know, his legal precepts, the way it was for Katanji uh, Brown Jackson. Um, or or Kagan or whatever, it, it's just like craziness. I mean, they just basically, you know, there's like old expression. I'm going to open a can of whoop ass on you. Well, they they have those cans like lined up everywhere. There's and and you don't even know which one's going to come out. It's just uh, you know, it's it's you know, you and I could theoretically play chess, and and, and somebody comes along and takes a, 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 a you know a chainsaw and just <laughs> zaps through the board. I mean, it's 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 a different way to play chess. Like, you know, you lost because I I slid off your arm. Um, you know, it's, it's craziness. You know, there's, I think it's, it's, you know, getting Republicans to do the things you're talking about is kind of like having, having my dog learn how to knit. I mean, I mean, it's a nice idea, but I, you know, it just doesn't know. I don't know if he's capable of it. It's like, um, whereas, you know, that old expression about, you know, going to, you know, go wrestling with a, a pig, uh, you get dirty, the pig enjoys it. Um, I, I just don't know. I mean, it seems to me that they are entrenched in kind of the, mid-level, low-level bureaucracy roles at the post office and all these jobs that, that 
I, I don't, I personally, I assume you wouldn't want to take on for a life and so forth, but they come in very handy, uh, teachers and whatnot, uh, on the days when they have the federal holiday off and they can become the poll watchers and so forth. So you convert, you basically have uh, a, a vestigial, but still present force uh, of, of, you know, human beings who are going to do this kind of work that, that, you know, locally, I know our Republican, uh, uh, you know, it, it's hard to drum up an interest and, and it's, and if you did, it's hard to outnumber them. Well, yeah, I mean, bottom line is, you know, deep reform is not, I mean, it has to happen, right? Deep what, reform. What, what, it has to happen. I'm sorry. Deep reform. I okay. mean, this was, this was what Trump ran on. He ran on draining the swamp, massive reformation of this monstrous, sprawling, you know, maze of federal agencies um, and then sub agencies and then sub sub agencies. I mean, we're talking about, as you say, a massive undertaking. It wouldn't be easy. But, you know, I. Yeah, I mean, but that's what I mean, that's what Trump signed up for. That's what he said he wanted to do. I'm disappointed that there doesn't really seem to have been. Well, any I think good. I think everything was going his way to, to the point of reelection. I think, you know, the key to his unelection was was COVID, not just for the reasons you gave, but but for the fact that it it, it changed. There are all already had been forever and a half the absentee ballot. And anybody who felt, you know, uh, COVID uh, terrified, phobic, uh, could have ordered up an absentee ballot. This, this you know, pushing. Well, <laughs> uh, the force feeding of ballots out in the populace, you know, just changed the entire equation. It just made ballots, um, you know, yeah, sure. kind of like they were like Weimar dollars. Sure. You know, you, you Zimbabwean. Um, well, I could have voted in three different states. You I just, could have voted they, they, in Washington. Totally, totally devalue the concept of, of yeah. your vote, my vote and so forth, because they're just everywhere. It's like, you know, you show up at a monopoly game and then you've got zillion dollar bills. You buy all the property. I mean. It's just to change yep. the entire equation. Well, for sure. I mean, but, you know, what we're really talking about is to, and I don't even, it's not, I don't even know that it's a partisan thing. It's, it's like to have like effective, I mean, you, okay. I mean, to get like an effective government going to sort of, you know, you know, re, okay. Bah. You can edit this part out. Republicans are going to have to get it together and get a plan and and under, you know, just emotionally accept what the rules of the game are, how, how the opponents are playing and what they might need to do to combat that. I'm not saying they should do anything illegal necessarily. Um, there's probably lots of legal things that pe could be done that weren't done. I think that's, that's definitely true with some of the Republican governors we've seen and probably with Trump himself. Like, for example, letting Andrew Cuomo skate after he kills 10,000 people in state rest homes. You know, where where was federal law enforcement on that? You know, I mean, what, really, there's no there's absolutely nothing that you could get Andrew Cuomo on for that. 10,000 people died because this this idiot um, he's not even an idiot. He's evil um, sent covid positive people into state rest homes or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, what I guess what I'm trying to say is it's like. Well, it's what you're saying is that the re Republicans in power typically do not use their power effectively. They talk a good game. They say all the right things. They wave the flag. They talk about family values and they don't they don't really do anything. Now, there are exceptions to that. 
but they're very rare. One exception is Ron DeSantis, who actually uses his power effectively. Um, I don't know what's so difficult. To, and, and by the way, so he uses his power effectively. He becomes the most popular governor in America. You would have to say he's probably the most, well, I don't even think it's probably, the most successful Republican governor since Ronald Reagan ran California 55, mm -hmm. 60 years ago. Um, so, I mean, that, that sort of shows how false it is um, that the, the that shows how false the Republican belief is, is that you can't actually get out there and act and do things without alienating people. And we need the big tent. So we need to just kind of be nice and we need to be like little mini Mitch McConnell's and get along with everybody. Well, Ron DeSantis didn't do that. He's the most popular guy, no, most popular Republican governor in the country. And he turned Florida from a purple state to a red state by like 20 points. Yep. How is this not a like a an absolute rock solid test case for No, I I, I agree right, with you. for proceeding. I agree with you. You know, the way politics plays out is not always, you know, the way we want it to. Um, yeah, or, or the way the Republican strategists think it is. And by the way, I spent three years of my life doing, like, amongst other things, Republican Party political polls. That's how I put myself through college in Utah. I mean, I was on the phone talking with these people, and I'm just going to say, I'm not saying there's no value to, to ever doing any kind of poll. There is, but I would say it's not a particularly effective way of figuring out how to motivate people get, you know, attract their attention, motivate them, inspire them, challenge them, invite them to be on your team, just asking them what it is that they're looking for or what they want. That's not a particularly, like, if you see a pretty girl somewhere and you're a single guy, you don't, you don't go up with a questionnaire and say, can you tell me the top 10 things you're looking for in a guy? And then I'll try to be those top 10 things. I mean, that doesn't work. I mean, you have to, you know, it's ridiculous, right? I mean, and by the way, and by the way, if you did do that, they would, you know, the top five things that they said they would violate 10 seconds later when some dude walked in. I mean, you'd be there. Okay. You know, well, yeah, romantic. Okay. I'll well, write that's you a, a good, That's a good analogy because, you know, I, I, I've been, you know, lucky and uh, I've got a lovely wife and, and, uh, you know, and I, I'm no great chase to look at and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, when, when I get, I guess I was on the hunt, I, whatever, you know, it was never a matter of trying to form fit. It was always a matter of, of being who you are, and that seems to be a reasonable attraction. If you know who you are and you do the things that you do and you stay true to them, that um, you know that that's I'm not it's not dating. You, yeah, 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 yeah. You might you might sort of slightly tailor your approach based on your read of the situation, but that's just normal social navigation. If you if I bump into somebody at a cocktail party. It's not like it's not like there's any seductionist, but but you know, depending on how old they are, I'm going to use certain phrases. I'm going to I'm going to bring up certain topics. I mean, so you might sort of adapt your approach or whatever, but but basically, you're not going to go up to somebody and say, "Could you tell me the ten top things that it would take for you to like me, for you to like me?" And and back to the girl thing, back to the girl thing, they would probably say, you know, well, I would I like romantic da da da. And you say, okay, well, give me 10 minutes. I'm going to write a beautiful romantic poem for you. And when you got in back in 10, 10 minutes with your romantic sonnet, you know, all like drawn up in iambic pentameter and all the rhymes are in the perfect place, she'd be gone because she would have disappeared from the party on the back of a motorcycle. Exactly. But right. some guy that just showed up and like whistled at her. 
Yeah. You know, so we, we you know, Republican strategists, I mean, they're just these useless people that can't accept human beings for what they are. It's weird because conservatives are always blaming, you know, talking well, about how yeah, leftists. Yeah. I just, I just want to put out that some of the defeatists, what? some of the, you know, there's a lot of eating ourselves, um, fighting amongst ourselves and defeatist attitude um, because in a sense, um, you know, I'm not going to say the system's rigged, but, but they are working better and harder at the mundane medial, um, uh, you know, yeah. harvesting sure. tactics. And so they, you know, you reap what you sow and, and they're reap, you know, they're sowing, they're, they're doing a lot of not, not, yeah, like, sure. not, 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 not like my knitting dog, but they're doing it sewing with an O and they're, they're, you know, they're harvesting. Um, and they're Listen, getting their crop. It's, it's, it is, you know, inimical to kind of the concept of representative democracy because I don't think it's genuinely representative. I think the, the polls um, in Arizona and whatnot uh, were reasonable. And I think people, all things considered, um, if it were a high school election, whatever, would have voted one way. But I think things are happening you know, in a different way. There's, there's force feeding. It's like those foie gras geese. They don't just get that way. Uh, they're being force fed the ballots and then the goose comes out and everyone who eats the, the you know, the pate are happy, but the goose isn't happy and, and whatever. I'm going to stop that analogy right there. Um, we're we're kind of going around the um, end, end, end of, of our hour together. Um, so I'm going to see the floor to you for any uh, closing statements. We, we can hang out and chat for a little bit, but I kind of like to have a little bit of uh, form uh, presented. No, no, that's okay. Well, that went quick. We'll have to come back and do this. Oh yeah, we'll do it again. I, I really, you know, I, this you know, just for the record and for our audience, this was completely unscripted. Um, uh, Tyler, they can probably they can probably tell. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, you're, you're I, I, you know, praise never hurts. Uh, you know, you you have an active mind and and uh, and you're a thinker and you spend your time, um, you know, not just staring at your toes unless they uh, are inspirational toes. You ever hear that song Popsicle Toes by Michael Franks? Yes. The old jazz hit. Anyway, just reminded me of that. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, this has been wonderful. So um, congratulations as well are in order um, on your nuptials. So you love them. Oh, thank you. And, uh, um, and on your musical, uh, I, I've got, gotten to you know be a fly uh, in the virtual world to see some of the things you've been doing. So it's really amazing. Anyway, um, so I'm going to call it an end, and I'm magically going to uh, make both of us disappear. Uh, if you enjoy this, please let us know. Um, we uh, would love to uh, reconvene. Um, and if you have an interest in you know, writing to us, uh, let us know your comments and thoughts. We very much appreciate it. So thank you very much, um, and I enjoyed having you. We're going to have you back again, Cal. All right. Thanks, Randy. All right. Why don't you hang around for a little bit?